listening to a podcast by Abide Church and Pastor Dan DeBell in Tulsa, Oklahoma. We pray this podcast helps you live, love, and look more like Jesus this week. Enjoy the message. I'm excited to dive into this new series today. Today we're talking about what does it mean to abide on our one-year anniversary here you know, abiding in Christ, that word abide is something that maybe you don't use uh, very often or maybe in, in, uh, you don't necessarily use it in your, in your everyday language. But I want to remind us, and over the next several weeks, we're going to talk about today, what does it mean to abide? And over the next several weeks, we're going to talk about our vision. What does it mean to live, love, and look like Jesus? We're going to do a deep dive to understand better where do we see that in God's word? How do we actually live out the mission and the vision of Abide Church? But today, I want to remind us of where this all came from. Where did this word abide come from? Was it just something that uh, Pastor Dan thought of because it thought it'd be a cool name that would stand out on Google? No, absolutely not. Okay, that is not my expertise. But one morning as I was having my quiet time, God reminded me of a passage. And as I was reading this passage, God poured out just his, this vision and this idea for this church that we would be a people and a group of people, a body that would truly abide in him. Let me show you. In John 15, we're going to read eight verses here. And in John 15, we're going to see that word abide. I'm going to read from the New King James Version. If, if you have a new living or something, it might say remain. We'll get to that in just a second. I'm going to read from the New King James Version. We're going to see that word abide a bunch of times. Let's read these eight verses, and then we'll talk about what does this mean actually for us today. In John 15, starting in verse 1, it says this, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, without me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered. And they gather them and they throw them into the fire and they are burned. Look at this promise in verse 8. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. A lot of abiding going on, right? Abide here, abide there, me and you, you and me, a lot of abiding. What does all of it mean, right? What does it mean to abide? Abide simply is, is this. If we look at the actual definition from the Greek, is this, to remain as one. And so that's why if you have a new living or I think even the NIV, it says to remain. Remain, it says that over and over, to remain as one. That is the definition of abide. If we look at the actual Greek lexicon or the dictionary, it has this in there as well. It says this, when something has established itself permanently within my soul and always exerts its power in me. That's at a much deeper level. Not just to remain in one place with someone, but to really be one, remain as one. Let me say it again in the Greek lexicon. It says, something has established itself permanently within my soul and always exerts its power in me. When I read that definition of abide, it makes when I read this passage, it makes it make a lot more sense. It puts a lot more emphasis on the word because God's desire is for every believer to abide daily, to abide daily. 
That's the goal, to walk and to remain as one, to walk in unity with Christ and his power, that it would be constantly at work in and through our lives. And whenever God was revealing this to me that morning as we were, I, was, I was reading and praying and seeking him, and he started showing me the word abide, church, abide, abide, over and over and over again, I began to realize, and God spoke to me, and I, he just said this, and this really hit home with me because I was guilty of this for many years. He said, many people are visiting me on Sunday but they're not abiding in me every day. Many people, let me say it like this, many people are visiting Jesus on Sunday, but they're not abiding. They don't abide in him every day. But that's God's desire. And I'll take it a step further. That's God's command. Abide in me. Jesus doesn't want to have visitation time with you on Sunday for 30 minutes during a message. And if we cheapen our relationship with him to that much, then we are missing out on so much more that he has for us. How would, if, you're, for, if you're married in here, how would your marriage be if you talk to your spouse for 30 minutes a week? Not good, right? <laughs> I don't know about you. Not good. It would not be good. How, how, how would your marriage be if you talked to Jesus the same amount that you talked to your spouse? things might look a little different. God wants a relationship. And that's what abiding is all about. It's not about perfect church attendance. It's not about, yeah, I paid my tithe. I didn't miss a, a day or Sunday in church this, this month. It's not about that. He wants you. And you and him remaining as one is a very intimate place to remain. It's very intimate. Let me look at, let's look at this. I'm going to break down these eight verses here because I want to show us the heart of the Father. The first point, if you're taking notes, is this. The vine dresser, he lifts up and he prunes. He does two things. So what do we see? Jesus lays out in John 15, he says, our heavenly Father, God, he is the vine dresser. Jesus is the vine. We are, as believers, we're the branches and the fruit that we are commanded to, I'll say it that way, commanded to, to produce is Christ-likeness. Christ-likeness. We're going to get to that in just a second. So God is the vine dresser. Jesus is the vine. We're the branches. The vine dresser, he lifts up and he prunes. Let's look at it. John 15, 1 through 3. He says, I, this is Jesus. I am the true vine. My father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. I have it bolded here. He takes away. Can we be real today? That, that phrase right there, takes away, is a bad English translation. It's not accurate to the original language. The original language should say this. When it's translated into English, it should say that he lifts up. He lifts up. Because here's the, here's the difference. Uh, I'm getting ahead of myself, but let me continue on the thought. He takes away. The better translation is to lift up. Because the key is every branch in me still connected that does not bear fruit, he lifts up. Here's what happens. I'll say it like this. The only reason a connected branch cannot produce fruit is if it's been knocked down. So these, these vines, these branches that Jesus would be referring to in this analogy is something, a vine that would have to grow on something, a trellis, sometimes a wall, sometimes another tree or another big rock. It needed something to cling to so that it could raise itself up. Another way it would also cling to other vines and other branches to support itself. But what would happen is if a storm would come, a storm would come or maybe an animal or something would hit one of these big vines and if it would fall into the dirt, 
it's still connected, but if a vine is in, a, in the dirt, a branch is in the dirt, it cannot produce fruit. It's in the dirt. It's not getting the light, the oxygen, anything that it needs to be healthy. It has to be where it's designed to grow. Here's what Jesus is showing us. There's going to be times in your life, there's going to be seasons, where the devil wants to throw you into the dirt. You didn't go there. You didn't choose to be there. But he threw you into the dirt. And a vine in the dirt cannot produce fruit. But here's the heart of the Father. The vine dresser, our Heavenly Father, he does not come along and see you in the dirt, not producing fruit, unhealthy, no leaves, just down there not getting any oxygen. He doesn't come and see that you're still connected and say, well, what's wrong with this one? Let's just cut it off and toss it away. That's a bad translation. He lifts up. So when the devil comes and he knocks you into the dirt in a certain season, and you're just going through it, and it's tough, and you're going through a trial, what the heavenly Father wants to do, as a good vine dresser would, he says, this is still connected. This still has potential. And so he will come, and he will lift you out of the dirt, and he will put you and wrap you around other vines so that you can get back to healthy. Do you see the heart of the Father? Sometimes we read this, and if we don't know, if we don't do a little digging, we get a bad representation of our Heavenly Father. I, the, he says, the branch in me, that means I'm still abiding. I'm still trying. I'm still looking to Jesus. I'm still doing my part. But the devil came and he, he, he knocked me down. He kicked me in the butt. He punched me in the face. I'm down in the dirt. And that's going to happen from time to time. He's going to show up at my door and he's going to try, try to attack me with certain things. But the heart of the Father is not to look at you and say, well, you should have tried harder. Well, you should have hung on a little more. You're not producing. No, he says, I see you. I see you're connected. And though you've been knocked down, that's not where you're supposed to be. Let me lift you up and put you back where you belong. And then you can produce the fruit that I have for you. He's looking to lift you up. Our Heavenly Father is not looking to kick you while you're down. So I don't know what representation or how your earthly dad portrayed your Heavenly Father. But we have a perfect Heavenly Father who is good. He's not looking to kick you while you're down. He's looking to lift you up. The second thing he will do, though, as a good heavenly father, is that he will prune you. He's going to prune some things in your life. What does that mean? He's going to cut some things out. He's going to pull out some stuff. Pruning, God rewards, let me say it like this, God rewards all growth with pruning. God rewards all growth with pruning. I may be in a season of growth with God, but guess what? There's going to be times where he needs to step in and say, I see that you're flourishing, but guess what? I need to pull out some of this extra stuff that you don't need anymore so that you can produce even more fruit down the road. And there's going to be times that many times, if you know anything about gardening, if you prune certain things in your garden, there's going to be times that you have to prune things that in one season were blooms. I got some fruit in one season from this branch in my life. But a good vine dresser is going to come in and say, but it's not producing fruit anymore. And if I can eliminate this from your life, it's going to bring some more oxygen, some more light in here so that you can grow even farther than what you have. Don't hang on to the old bloom that's not producing fruit anymore. Let me cut it out so that you can go further than you ever could on your own. He wants to prune. All growth is rewarded with pruning. Pruning in the kingdom of God, though, is not punishment. It's not punishment. That's not what I'm talking about. God prunes to create room for more growth. So what does this look like? He gives us just a hint of this. He says that you may, uh, every branch in me that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. What an interesting phrase. You're already clean. 
Here's what Jesus is revealing as he's speaking to his disciples. And if we look again at the original language, that word clean and prune have the same root word. Clean and prune have the same root word. So Jesus is declaring to his disciples they are already pruned because of the word he spoke to them. He said, because you've been with me, you've been following me, the words I have spoken to you, as we've gone, I've made you from average fishermen who can spend all night and not catch anything, average fishermen to fishers of men who go out, who heal the sick, proclaim the gospel, raise the dead, who go out and make an impact. He said, I took you from here to here, but what happened in between? We spent some time together. And as we spent time together, Jesus spoke to them. And the words that he would speak, what would it do? It pruned their values, perspective, and their faith so that it would align with what God had for them. So it would align with what Jesus had, with his, so that it could produce his fruit. There's going to be seasons in your life. You say, well, what does it look like to be pruned by God then? There's going to be seasons in your life where God is going to prune your values, At one time, I valued this certain thing. At one time, this was really important in my life. But God says, I need to get rid of that because I don't need that there anymore. Even if he put it there in the first place, I don't need that in this season. You may have something that you put there. He says, you don't need to be valuing that, looking to that anymore. Get that idol out of your life so that I can do more. He's going to prune their perspective. We talked about this. How do we walk by faith and not by sight? We have God's vision. He says, when you get in my book, I'm going to prune your life so that you see how I see. And if you can see how I see, you can be fruitful. He's going to prune their faith. Last week we talked about that. When he calms the storm, he looks at his disciples and says, how is it you have no faith? Not a little bit of faith. How is it you have no faith in the storm? He's pruning. He's asking this question to say, let's shine a light on this branch here that you don't need. Let me get that lack of faith out of here so we can do some work. This is why Hebrews 4.12 says this. It says, For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of thoughts and the intents of the heart. We know that that our Bible, this, this word of God, is a weapon. It's our sword of the spirit. It's a part of our armor. But many times we quote this verse, Uh, against an enemy. We quote it, it's sharper than any two-edged sword. And yeah, it's sharp. It can go to battle. We talked about it last week. It can go to work just as powerful as if God was taking up his sword and going to work. That's true. But God wants to use this word that's sharper than any two-edged sword to what? Prune some things in my life. And here's the key that changes everything. Have I let this prune my life? I don't know about you, but I've been reading this book before. And I've read things that in my natural mind I said, I don't agree with. And guess what I had to do? I had to make a decision. Will I be my own Lord or not? Will I be humble enough to say I'm wrong and it's right? Why be humble enough to say I've been in church my whole life? What I was taught was wrong and this is right. That's tough to do, but that's growth. That's why Hebrews 4.12 says it's sharper than any two-edged sword. That's why 1 John says you have no need that anyone teach you because you have the teacher of the Holy Spirit. He will guide you into all truth. How How do I hear from him? How can he teach me in here? 
every day in here. You guys doing okay? Let's go to point two. Abiding produces fruit. This one's obvious, right? Abiding produces fruit. Many people can say, yeah, I'm close with Jesus. I have a great relationship with Jesus, but I should be able to look at your life and tell, are you abiding or not? Even better, you should be able to take an examination of your own life and say, am I abiding? Abiding produces fruit. Let's look at it. back at John 15, four through six. It says, abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. Let's stop here for a second. What kind of fruit is produced when we abide? It's really pretty simple. The fruit of the Spirit is produced. But the fruit of the Spirit is not plural. It's not the fruits of the Spirit. Many people, we we get confused. We say it's the fruits of the Spirit. It's all these different things. There's a list of the fruit of the Spirit. But the common denominator, the fruit of the Spirit, is Christ-likeness. When I abide, I am able, and I will begin to naturally live, love, and look like Jesus, which is the vision of our church. I can live, love, and look. So the common mistake is this. Well, I just need to get more patience. I'm going to be more patient today. I'm going to try to, I'm going to to be kind to that person, my coworker that I really don't like. I'm going to try to be kind to them today. Can't do it. How foolish of me to have an apple tree in my backyard and the tree is diseased, but for me to go and to find one apple and say, I'm going to care for this little apple and it's going to affect all the other apples. If I have a diseased apple tree, what do I do? I go to the root of the issue. The root then affects all of the other fruit on the tree. So I've got to take an examination. Am I abiding? If I'm abiding, I won't have to, I'm going to try to be kind today. Guess what? When I wake up and I choose to abide, remain as one, kindness is produced in me because I've connected myself to the vine. You see how it becomes natural? I'm not striving to have more self-control. No, I have it because I'm in him. This is spiritual growth because we go our whole Christian's lives and we're, I'm going to try to be better. I'm going to strive. And we put all this, this burden on us. And that's that religious burden that Jesus is talking about. He says, my burden's light. Follow me and I will show you. Don't follow all these rules. Yeah, it's going to change your character. We'll talk about that in just a second. It's going to change your character. Yeah, it's going to change your values. Absolutely. But he says, follow me. And if you will follow me, if we'll remain as one, I will produce things in you that you never thought were possible. So let's look at it. Galatians 5, it says this. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So here's what we need to see then. If the Holy Spirit produces this, when we abide, any other version of these not rooted in Jesus is a Band-Aid. It is not a cure. Let me say it again. Any other version of this list that is not rooted in Jesus is a Band-Aid. It is not a cure. So today I can get up and I can say, I feel happy, right? I feel really happy. But then I can go to work and I can lose my job. Am I going to feel happy? No. Joy cannot be stolen because it's a fruit of the Spirit. Happiness can come and go. Well, my joy is rooted in Christ. It cannot be stolen. Now, if my joy is rooted in my job, it can be stolen because it's a Band-Aid. It's a false. It's not accurate. It's not the real deal. It's not the real joy. It can be stolen. But when it is rooted and it is produced by the Holy Spirit, 
It cannot be taken from me. I can have anything on this list. In fact, I have legal covenant rights to it when I abide in Christ. Do you need peace? Go to the Prince of Peace. Do you need self-control? Run to him, and it will be produced. It doesn't mean that you don't have to do anything for the rest of the day, but can I tell you, if I'm not rooted in Christ, I cannot produce his fruit. The fruit of the Spirit is the evidence. It's the evidence. It's the proof of abiding. So the goal for all believers, then, is to walk in both the power and the character of Jesus. The power and the character. Many believers say, well, I want the power, right? I want to be able to pray for somebody, see something change. I want to pray for somebody, and they get healed. I want to lead someone to Christ. They want the power, right? But many people pump the brakes when it comes to, you're called to walk in the character of Jesus, the character of Jesus, that's fruit. That's self-control. That's be and walk holy as I am holy. That's walking in righteousness. That's walking free from sin. Does it mean I'll never sin? No, I'm going to trip up from time to time. But sin does not own me. I am not a sinner anymore. I'm a saint in Christ, and I can walk as such. It changes my identity. I'm called to walk in the character of Jesus. And through the power of the Holy Spirit, God produces a different kind of lifestyle in the believer. And this is why Jesus says, without me, you can do nothing. Sounds kind of harsh, Jesus. Like, (laughs) what do you mean we can do nothing? Like, I just got to sit at home? Like, if I'm not abiding, I'm just sitting at home doing nothing. No, it's much worse. Because people live their whole life, and we go back to the striving. I'm striving. I'm trying to be better. I'm trying to be a better disciple. I'm trying. To, I'm trying. I'm trying. But they can strive so hard, and when if they're, they're not abiding, Jesus says, everything you're doing is for nothing. In America, what is it? If I say, hey, how, how's your week? Busy is a badge of honor. Busy swamped so much going on i'm really important because my schedule's so busy busy is the number one enemy of discipleship it's the number one enemy of discipleship because jesus said without me if yeah your schedule may be busy but if you're not abiding in me if you're not bringing me with you guess what everything you're busy with at the end of the age i'm gonna look at it and i'm gonna say it was for nothing god's word says you are chasing the wind foolishness. What are you doing out there running around, chasing the wind? If I abide, it changes everything. Here's what's crazy. He says, without me, Jesus says, without me, you can do nothing. But 10 chapters earlier, Jesus says that he could do nothing without the Father. So what is he showing us? He's he's showing us, he's trying to bring you and me into the same dependency that he lives in. Am I that, if I look at the life of Jesus, how dependent was he on his time with his heavenly father? Getting up before, even far before the sun was up. After he was done working, I need to spend some time alone in prayer. I need to get close and recharge with my heavenly father. He's saying, just as I do that, you must do that. Ten chapters earlier, he says, I can't do anything without the help of my father. And now he says, you can't do anything without me. Vine dresser, vine branch. Do you see it? He says, see how dependent I am. You must do the same. You have to do the same. Without me, you can do nothing. At the very end of that, I think it's in verse 6. In fact, Eddie, can you go back to or one slide for me? Yeah, verse 6 right here. 
If, I mean, if anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered. And they gather them and they throw them into the fire and they are burned. Here's the opposite side of the beginning of the passage. Jesus said, if you are in me, if you abide in me, and you're not producing fruit, I will lift you up. But he says, when you choose to take matters in your own hands and you stop abiding in me and you disconnect yourself, he says, at that point, you've become a branch. When a branch is no longer connected, it's just a stick. It's just a stick. So what do they do? They gather it and they burn it. It has no potential of life. This is what it means. This is the difference between visiting Jesus and abiding in Jesus. There's a lot of sticks walking around who look like branches, but they're sticks. There's a lot of branches that are producing fruit who look like Jesus. Which one will I be? I look like a branch, but I'm dead inside. I'm not connected. I have no life, no potential for fruit. My daily decision is I will abide. I will not be a stick today. I will be a branch that produces much fruit. Eddie, you can go forward to Matthew 7 for me. Matthew 7, 21, Jesus says this. We talk about this a lot, but this, has changed, this verse changed my life. Not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. I can look like a branch, but if I'm a stick, someday I'll call out, Lord, Lord, and he'll say, I don't know you. Read that in context this week, Matthew 7. It changed my life. It made, this, this passage in Matthew 7 made me serious about my daily time with God. Because I can call out Lord and say, Jesus is my Lord, but my actions, my fruit, reveal it. It reveals if I am or if I am not. So this is why we say this. I say this all the time. Salvation has nothing to do with works. Nothing I can do can get me saved. It, it can't. It's a free gift. It's, it's no effort of mine. It's a free gift. Only Jesus can bring me into salvation. But you, if you've been here a while, you know this. But the other end is, is, is true. Discipleship has everything to do with works. Because I am commanded to bear much fruit. So if I think that I can get saved and receive a free gift and then sit on this salvation, this free gift for my whole life, yeah, and then live however I want to live, it is in direct opposition to what Jesus just said in Matthew 7. Let us not be fooled and say, I can do whatever I want. There's grace, absolutely. But now, he says, you've freely received, freely give. When you receive salvation, you've also accepted some responsibility to be a branch that bears fruit. So let's talk about this. The last point right here, abiding reveals discipleship. Today isn't the most fun message, okay? I'll give you that. But today is one of the most important messages for our church because we're not, a called, we're not called Abide Church just for cool reasons. We're called Abide Church for this, this passage right here because it's so serious because at the end in Revelation, I hope you've read Revelation recently, but if you read through it, okay, Jesus comes and he talks to the specific church and he sees that it's lukewarm, it's not hot, it's not cold, it's somewhere in the middle. And what does it do? He says, I will vomit you out of my mouth. It turns Jesus' stomach. Lukewarm Christianity makes Jesus nauseous. And I don't know about you, 
But if God's called me to step into this position as a lead pastor, the, the church that I will pastor will not be a lukewarm church that is okay with letting the, the darkness of the world creep in and stay. The sin of the world creep in and stay. Does it mean that sinners aren't welcome here? No, they are more than welcome here. But guess what? When you come, you're going to experience the love of God like none other. And the love of God is going to impact your life. And you're going to be open and freed from the sin that you came from, the addiction that you came from. And you're going to see the potential in Christ and you're going to step into it. And guess what? Now we get to walk with you as we help you and as we figure it out too, to live, love, and look like Jesus. We cannot be okay with the world and the worldliness coming in here and being in my life personally because it's not what I'm called to do in Christ. God says, you have so much more potential. Jesus says, if you will abide in me, I can produce so much in you. If you will let me prune you and cut some of that junk that's not being used anymore out of your life, I could take you farther than you've ever imagined. But we sometimes we fail to even ask. We fail to even ask. Let's have the faith to ask. The last thing is this. Abiding reveals discipleship. It reveals how genuine my discipleship actually is. Let's look at John 15, 7 through 8. If you abide in me, my words abide in you. You will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit so you will be my disciples. How many of you in here by a show of hands would say, I want my prayers to be effective? Anybody? I would hope all of our hands are up. I want my prayers to be effective. I want when I pray, when I get on my hands and knees, when I pray for people, when I am earnestly praying for people, when I'm praying for my family, for our church, when I'm praying for people in my life, I want those prayers to be effective. Can I tell you, this is why abiding is so important because we now we know, how can my prayers be effective? If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. What a promise from God. How good is our God? He says, if you'll trust me enough, to let me lift you up when you're in a downtime, to let me prune you from time to time, if you will trust me enough to be with me every day, to remain with me, guess what? When you pray, I will see to it that your desires are met. Man, he is so good. Do we deserve that? Absolutely not. But he is so good. True, genuine discipleship, disciples abide in Jesus. And what does he say? If my words abide in you. If my words abide in you, does God's word have a resting place in your heart? Do you have any place for it in your life? Is God's word hidden in your heart? This is the only book that can actually change your life. I don't care what any other man-made book says, okay? This one has life. Does it have a place in your heart? Or can you, can you quote <laughs> more leaders? Can you quote more pastors? Can you quote more movies than this? What can you quote more of? It'll show you what has your heart. He says, if my words abide in you, ask whatever you desire. When we abide, we naturally begin to pray for things that the Father wants to respond to. Think of that. 
When I abide, I will begin to pray for things that God wants to respond to. Let me show you in 1 John, 1 John 5, 14 through 15. And we are confident that he, God, hears us whenever we ask for anything that pleases him. When I pray in agreement with his word, he hears it. Guaranteed, that's a promise. He hears my prayer. And since we know that God hears us when we make our requests, we also know that he will give us what we ask for. Abide. I will pray effective prayers because I'm praying what God wants me to pray. I'm praying the perfect will of God. When we abide in Christ, our prayers are effective and we glorify God in our fruit bearing. Man. Some other things I want to get to, but I'm going to get to the action steps. So let's talk about this really quick. Let's make it personal. If abiding is so important, if it's going to free me from the junk that I've been, extra junk I've been carrying around, it's going to prune me from that stuff. If it's going to help me, if abiding is going to help me get lifted out of a dark season where the devil's thrown me in the dirt and he's wanting me to stay there until eventually I just die because I can't produce any fruit. If abiding is that important, if abiding is going to make my ineffective prayers effective, how do I do it? Is it difficult? Is it going to take me six hours a day? No. There's three things. I got them on your note-taking cards. It's simply this. Pray. <laughs> Start every day with prayer of thanksgiving. Pray. Read. You got to be reading God's word every day. You got to. This is, this is living water. Okay? And meditate. Meditate is not light some candles, go sit in a corner and make some weird noises. That's not meditation biblically. Okay? But meditation biblically involves speaking. It's not just to sit and to think. The actual translation is to mutter, murmur. It's to speak. I got to be speaking God's word. I got to be thinking on God's word. When I speak, it renews my mind. When I speak, I hear myself saying it. It builds my faith. I have to meditate every day, every day. If I will do these three practical elementary things, my life will change drastically. If I will approach it with a genuine heart, my life will change drastically. It's not hard. Abiding is incredibly important for us as individuals. It's not hard, but if we will do it, we can live, love, and look like Jesus. In fact, 1 John says, if we say we abide in Christ, we ought to walk just as he walked. That's what God's word says. So let's talk about this as we wrap up. What does this mean for our church? What does this mean for our church? When Jesus would reference these grapevines, and he was talking about these different vines and the branches and all these things, the vines that he was referring to as a metaphor, they didn't produce fruit in the first year. The first year, this is amazing. The first year was all roots and branches. Dig those roots deep. The plant is just digging deep and it's spreading its branches wide so that it can get sunlight, so that it can grow to potential. Year one, roots and branches. Year two, it's game on. Year two, the second year is when fruit begins to appear. And year three and year four and beyond is only multiplication. Can I tell you, I didn't see that. I didn't know that about these grapevines a year ago. But as we, as a church, come into year two as Abide Church, <laughs> can I tell you, our first year as a church, it has been one of growing deep roots and a solid foundation. It has been one of pruning. There are a lot of people that used to be here that are not here anymore. People, things that we were doing, been pruned out of our church. It's been a year of pruning. Oh, man. 
And it was a year of spreading our branches, bringing more people in that are connected, just like we are, not sticks, branches. Guess what? We are poised now. Going into our second year and beyond, we will be, will be years of producing a little bit of fruit. No, Jesus said, if you abide, you produce what? Much fruit much fruit for the kingdom of God. So we are heading into year two as a church with joyful expectation that God is going to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all we can ask, think, or imagine. Why? Because we're so great? No, but simply because we are abiding in him. We are all about this. It is his word above any other word. We are going into year two expecting more fruit, much fruit, abundant fruit. Why? Because we are doing what he asked us to do. Obedience produces fruit. Obedience produces fruit. So as we go into year two, as we go into year two, we're gonna be believing God and trusting God for hundreds of kids and adults to come to Jesus. Hundreds, not just fill this room with 100 people. No, hundreds to come to Jesus that are lost but are now found. We are going to be believing for multiple services as we outgrow this building. I don't know if you know it, but it's coming. We will outgrow this building. We are going to outgrow it. We're going to have multiple services. We're believing God that our nursery, our preschool, our elementary, our J High ministries, our youth ministries will be flourishing and producing much fruit as we go. That people will receive power through the baptism in the Holy Spirit. They will come here powerless but they will leave with power because they receive what Jesus said. You shall receive power when you receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit. We believe that there will be healings that take place, that depression will be destroyed, bodies will be healed, barren wombs will be made fruitful, that demons will be cast out, that there will be freedom where there is bondage. That's year two. That's something worth celebrating. You can clap your hands if you want to. And I don't care. I don't I don't care. <laughs> How, how, listen, let me hear my heart behind this. I don't care what you think about those statements. You may say, that sounds a little too bold. Are we going to listen back to this a year and say, oh, that was embarrassing? No. It doesn't matter <laughs> what you think with your natural mind. But because we walk in obedience, we can expect abundance. We can expect God to move on our behalf, and that's what we're believing for. I can say those things with confidence because that's what God's word says. My faith is not in you and your faith better not be in me. Our faith is in him, in his word alone. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you are good. You are good and you do good. You are a perfect Heavenly Father. You are the great vine dresser. We thank you that you take care of us as your branches. You lift us up in a time of need. You prune us when we need it. And God, we are great branches. We are obedient branches. We listen for your voice. We walk in obedience to you. Whatever you say, we will do it in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to the Abide Church podcast. If you'd like to partner with us financially, or if you're in the Tulsa area and would like to attend our weekly gathering, you can check out AbideChurch.com.